Hello, listener, and welcome to episode 44 of the Magnificently Huge Podcast. This week, we are going back to the mid-90s for some practical effects action, and we're also talking about Pacific Rim Uprising, so hang on. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crap all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. In a world, well, in a world where uh, CG effects really aren't all that great yet, but we're putting them in movies anyway because Jurassic Park made a lot of money. Um, in that world, we're figuring out how to make darker, grittier action movies, but we haven't quite got it sorted just yet. The mid '90s. Uh, the mid-90s was uh, home to some real stinkers, and we're going to talk about a few choice ones, including Independence Day. Yep, we're going there. Uh, so join uh, Chris, Eric, and myself for another Magnificently Huge podcast. If you want to skip straight to that discussion, it's about, ooh, I don't know, 30, 35 minutes into the podcast. So uh, take a look at the description uh, in your podcast app, and we've got timestamps for when all the different topics come up if you want to skip to that. But we do talk about uh, some, some good uh, fresh shit this week, including Pacific Rim Uprising. Anyway... Please subscribe to the podcast. Please share it on your social feeds. Give us ratings on iTunes or Google Play or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, you can always reach out to us on Twitter. We are at MagHuge. Facebook.com slash MagnificentlyHuge. We're on Instagram as MagnificentlyHuge. And you can always email MagnificentlyHuge at gmail.com. All right. Set the Wayback Machine. We're going back to the 90s. Welcome back to the Magnificently Huge Podcast. My podcast is Magnificently Huge. How was yours today? So magnificent. So huge. <laughs> it was. It, it's huge. Huge, but not, not as magnificent. Well, welcome one and all. My name is Brian. Hi, Brian. Hi, Hi Brian. Oh, <laughs> should we now say... No, oh. no, don't. No. Okay. It's just me. Me. Me, me, me. Hi. <laughs> this is Chris over here to your left. And this is Eric. So yeah, we start off every show talking about stuff that we watch or read or whatever uh, each week. So it's a segment called The Fresh Shit. This shit is fresh. Oh, shit. That is fresh. This stuff is really fresh. And we also spend every podcast talking over each other. So you <laughs> yes. get used to it. <laughs> no, you don't. Because <laughs> none, none of the three of us are the straight man, and we all have such funny things to say all at once. That's so true. we just blurt it out. The name of this podcast should now be I, 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 I. Uh. <laughs> well, the problem is that we are in three different cities, and we're using uh, outdated technology from yeah. the... From the end of Eric, and so it makes things difficult. <laughs> From the end of Eric? <laughs> yeah. 
What's that mean? <laughs> oh, uh, I'm the one right. limiting our technology. I get yes, it. Okay, yes, that makes luddite. Now I get uh, it. Yeah, and that's true. That's true. Anyway, let's talk about something like current. Uh, Chris, you got any fresh shit for us this week? Uh, as a matter of fact, I don't. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm still watching Jessica Jones, so that's pretty much the only thing I'm doing. Uh, like I the, started watching that. Yeah, like the first series, it I kind of hit fourth or fifth episode where I'm like, oh, this is kind of a slog. I'm going to just take a break. Because none of the episodes are exactly happy. I mean, even The Punisher mm. is a lighthearted romp compared to some of the stuff they're doing in this thematically. So I'm kind of taking a break from it. Is but it I did rapey? Try. It's a little rapey. Because I remember that first one was a little too rapey for my taste, even though it wasn't real, like, I guess, literal, not real, but literal rape. It was eh, uncomfortable. Basically, it's just... Well, that was the thing, right? It was was a metaphor for for her rape. Right. Yeah. Right. And this, yeah. So I'll I'll come back to that when I've finished. But so far, it's getting better. Uh, There's a character called Wizard in the first couple episodes <laughs> yeah, that I like. Yeah, and that always reminds me of Ren and Stimpy. Don't <laughs> on the electric fence. Uh, but I did try to watch Valerian, Brian, because it's on Amazon. Oh, you masochist. And I, I got through the first 45 minutes and couldn't figure out what the hell was going on. And I just <laughs> said, ah, fuck it, I'm going to bed. And I turned it off. Because it's some sort of yeah. weird like heist from a market that's in an interdimensional space. And right. And I just didn't... He's it, like astral projected into another space yeah, or whatever yeah. through technology. And, and... Yeah, it's... I mean... But it, it, he has like anti-chemistry with the woman, right? Yeah. Like they just do not... Totally do not click. No. It's just... It was very poorly cast. And... That's too bad. But it looked really good. I mean, it's very obviously an expensive production, and Luc Besson is nothing if not a stylist. And he is nothing. And it does have a lot of uh, callbacks to the weird European sci-fi of the 60s, like Barbarella and things like that, which worked. But the art direction is is amazing. But I still, 45 minutes in, as soon as they got to the city of a thousand planets, I just said, nope. Mm -hmm. And went on, my, <laughs> went on my merry way. As far as I can tell, Valerian should be like a Bruce Campbell or a Nathan Fillion type. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. So. Crimson was, chin kind of guy. Everything I got from the preview said it shouldn't be a movie at all. It should be a game. I mean, it had like, it looked nice, but it had, it didn't appear to have any depth. And, oh, you no. know, you confirmed it, Brian, when you fresh shitted it a yeah. few months ago. That's true. Yeah. It so, was not my favorite. So it was it was bad. So I haven't really watched much this week, but I did finally listen to the new album from the Breeders uh, called All, oh. Ner- All Nerve, and it's the original lineup back together again. After- aren't, aren't they too old to breed by now? <laughs> no, they're not that old. <laughs> Just they're not that old, you ageist. Okay. You ageist. <laughs> uh, and it's it's... A breeder's album. It's very obviously Kim Deal and Company, and it's really good from start to finish. It was it was quite nice, but it's kind of mid tempo. They don't do a lot of rocky, rocky. It's more like the weird Pixies inflected stuff. Oh, uh, so it's not like that's not bad. You're not going to get like a pop song, all a Cannonball. 
Um, mm-hmm. But the single's called Nervous Mary, and it's it's pretty solid. It's very strong. Run, but she never got away. Hot, run for it. Nervous Mary had a nervous day. Boss, better than but the whole album's fun. Is it better, do you think, than that reunion Pixies album that came out a couple years ago? Uh, I did not listen to that, so I would have to say yes. Okay. But only because of the clash of personalities on the Pixies, I imagine is way more intense than anything that could happen with the Breeders. So just a guess. Fair enough. They've got got some good song titles. The best one is called Metagoth. It's a fun song, um, but it really just listening to it made me want to go back and listen to all of the the '90s alt rock featuring women in the leads. So like Elastica, Veruca Salt, Hole, uh, throwing See, uses, I can't, you know, all that stuff. I, I have a problem with Hole. Like, so little little uh, little name droppy crap. But um, when I was working in the recording studio, I did some work with the Meat Puppets. Yeah. And they were contemporaries. Like, they knew Kurt Cobain and Courtney Love personally. And the whole time they were in the studio, and this was 1993, they were just, they were hating on Courtney Love so bad. Like, the whole time they're in the studio, they're just <laughs> bitching about what an awful person yeah. she was and how she got Kurt on heroin. It's not hard to do. And so I can't listen to Hole without thinking about that yeah i mean i'm not a huge fan but it just of that ilk uh there's a couple songs that i can hear but i never went out and bought their albums or anything like mm-hmm. if, if anything this album reminded me way more of stuff like elastica every time i heard hole i would go man i love billy corrigan because he wrote <laughs> all the ones that were worth listening to he only loves those things because he loves to see them break I don't know if Billy Corgan wrote that. Well, he should have. He should have. Yeah. But so. Elastica, I like Elastica. Yeah, it's it's that same kind of sensibility. So if you like garbage. that stuff and you garbage. Garbage oh, was garbage not. is the friggin' best. This is the noise that keeps me awake. My head explodes in my body. That's not really the same. It's a woman. 
90s. <laughs> well, well, yeah, but Tony Braxton hair. There's another woman singing in the oh, 90s. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Share, share. Yeah. Yeah. If I, if I could turn back time. If I could turn back time, I wouldn't have any of that in this podcast. Uh, well, you're, I, you're the I producer, see, so you, you actually can. Yeah. Oh, no, no. I, I revel in, in shitty nostalgia. That's kind of the point of this yeah, whole podcast at kind, this point, that's right? That's kind it's of like, his deal. Mm. <laughs> so that's my that's my thing. I cede the floor to the good senator from Oregon to continue. <laughs> Eric, save us. Okay. Uh, after last week's podcast, I read uh, Fight Club. Woo. And it is a short book. I didn't yeah. realize how short a book it was. Yeah. And I realize also how old I am because I'm reading it going, yeah, I would have been all into this kind of destructive nihilism in my yeah. 20s. And now I yeah. read it like, yeah, yeah, what do you well, want, you whining little bastard? Life yeah. is awful. I am Jack's but, um, complete lack of surprise. And the funny thing is the <laughs> movie, the, well, one, the movie is one of the best adaptations I've ever seen now that I know the source it it contains everything it has every note it's you know it, it, it's 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 a perfect adaptation but really only because the book itself is so compact yeah you know it's so like there's not a whole lot to leave out yeah what's well, um, like fight club and harry potter and the and the sorcerer's stone are the are the two most complete film adaptations really sorcerer's stone you think <laughs> Actually, yeah, that one's pretty much because again, the book is so short. But. I, I, I don't. I'm sorry to do this to you, Ryerson, because I know you don't care for the Harry Potter stuff. But Azkaban, eh. I think, is the best film adaptation because it was such a smart way around so much information. I mean, the, the whole Quidditch yeah. match, not a single line is spoken. It's like he takes care of a whole chapter visually in like a couple of minutes. Well, all I know is that anytime the movies are playing on repeat on like the ABC Family Channel or whatever it's called now, Freeform, they do they do Harry Potter weekends like at least once a month. And hmm. anytime the later ones come on, my wife and I just sit around and make jokes about Neville Longbottom because apparently he got <laughs> really super cute and hot. As the time progressed, and he grew out of his awkward yeah. stage, <laughs> so that's all we could talk about. Oh, that Neville Longbottom—he's so dreamy. I'm I'm still annoyed <laughs> that it turned out Neville wasn't the chosen one. I mean, like two, I three kind books of to the end, too. I was going, "Oh, it's uh, Neville." Too bad. I kind of was too. That that could have been a fun, but yeah, yeah. Wow, I don't know how I derailed us that badly. We were from on Fight Club. Yeah, so yeah, Fight Club. It's not hard to do. Interesting book. Uh, I, 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 I don't think Helena Bottom Carter was the right choice. I, from the description, Is she ever, well, they should have gone with someone who was actually gross. You know, I, I think Feruza Balk would have been a good choice. That's <laughs> true. That's true. But she lost her mind at the end of craft. So yeah, it's kind of hard to cast. Well, she made it to Waterboy. Oh, that's true. Shit. Thank she was still working. Putting that in my head. I'm just saying she was still working. Well, uh, if- also a, a telemetric fresh shit. From oh wait wait you had a point. Well, I was to say if you liked Fight Club, uh, read Survivor. That's my yeah, favorite. That's next uh, on the list. That one I read that one when I was actually flying in a plane over to Asia for my trip years ago. <laughs> so I was reading a book about people stranded on an airplane that's about to crash while mm-hmm. I was on an airplane, thinking I might crash. I'm actually I'm glad you brought that yeah. up because the other uh, Chuck Palahniuk book I've read was Choke. And that one was much more structurally coherent. 
if you will. Yeah. Yeah. And I know the reason this one isn't is it's first person from someone who is, you know, both got a split personality and is uh, an insomniac. So it's like the whole book is written like that sequence from the movie with uh, 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 Norton waking up on airplanes, where it's yeah. just fast paced cut, 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 cut. The whole book is like that for the first yeah. few chapters. But um, so I get why, but it's a it's a harder slog than choke, and so I want to try some others of his. Choke's not bad, but uh, Survivor I would recommend. Choke is hilarious. With yeah, in the just, end, when when the cops like like you know w- w- when the anal beads come out of him in the police station, <laughs> he just shits himself. Uh, uh, I can just oh great, Brian's over there rolling his eyes. They're talking about books yeah. again. <sighs> Having not read Choke, I'm just taking this like you know out of context with the anal beads, and I'm like, okay, well, yeah. Are anal, it's, are anal like beads ever really in context? In my experience, that's always out of context. When in this in up. this case, they require a context because the anal beads coming out and him shitting his pants is actually <laughs> a um, a religious <laughs> moment in the book. It's it's it, it's actually yeah, it's his. Yeah. Um, it's a big deal. It's <laughs> it's it's well, given a lot of meaning, but it's still a guy with anal beads shitting his pants. Well, if if you like that one, then you should uh, branch out into Irvin Welsh. And uh, read filth. Can't filth do is, it. He writes in that that you know no, filth, uh, the filth, the patois of Scotland, and I not, take so long trying to get through those words. Well, yeah, train spotting is like that, but but filth is not as much. You don't get that a, a lot. It's still mm-hmm. there because it's you know Scottish set there, but uh, it's not as bad. But the reveal on that one is just hilarious and disgusting yeah. all at the same time. So. I remember reading Train Spotting and going, just write it in English and give me a pamphlet on how to read it with a Scottish <laughs> accent. <laughs> yeah, really. This from the man with Scottish heritage. But I can't read it. I mean, <laughs> the official language is Scottish, you know? Uh, here's Scotland, I mean, here's Ireland, here's the blood I say. If you, That's all you need if, to know. If he wanted to be a cock about it, he could have written it in Gaelic. <laughs> <laughs> but well, uh anyway okay. so that uh speaking of foreign languages my uh wife has been and i've been watching over her shoulder uh this show on netflix spanish uh, i mean from spain spanish called el barco which means the ship and it's a a ship a a a, a trimast schooner that's sort of an educational cruise bunch of teens go out learn sailing or something for you know six weeks Something happens and the entire world floods. That's the premise. It's lost on a boat. And it's it's like half of it is kind of shitty soap opera-y. I don't care. Stop trying to make me care that such and such has a crush on such and such. And the other half is end of the world, uh, um, suspenseful psychological drama that's really interesting. Emphasis is on it, is, is it like the Spanish... Uh, Tell, is it like the Spanish water world then? Or? <clears throat> not, not in yes and no. I mean, like, like the premise is <laughs> water I, world. I think you mean ag- Agua Mundo. Yeah. W- once you say uh, water world, it, you know, springs to mind, like, you know, people dressed in, you know, fo- football pads and, <laughs> and, you know, neck gills. And this is, this is like weeks after the event that floods the entire world. And it's, okay. it's neat, but. Yeah, I would I would recommend checking it out. Um, and does Kevin Costner have gills in that one too? 
Oh, Kevin Costner always has gills. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Why do you think they cast him? That's his thing. You know, they, they still do the Waterworld stunt spectacular at Universal Studios Hollywood. <laughs> oh, God. God. That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> Can we maybe get some Dukes of Hazard in there, too? Just, make Just a good old boy. And finally, I just want to say I'm recording this today using a brand new pair of Apple uh, ear pods. Not the air pods, but the ear pods. And they suck. Because they're falling out. I cannot jam the, these things the into my ones? head holes. No, the not wireless ones, the earpods. Oh, okay. And I mean, I am just sticking these things in with my finger as hard as I can. They were 30 bucks, and I knew that I could return them. So I got them to see if they fit well enough that I would want to invest in AirPods. But of course, ah, if these well, things suck, I'm not going to spend a lot of money on those. We know so, it'll yeah, help those uh, stay in your head. Just get a head. Nails? Thing. Get a headband. Yeah, but headbands are so <laughs> 1970s, you know? Uh, I feel like the senator from Oregon has expired his time and is just... <laughs> I do, too. I think it's I've petered out. <laughs> he's just filibustering at this stage. Can we move on? God. I just want to say the thing about the AirPods. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Um, I've got a whole bunch of fresh shit this time. Uh... So, uh, first, I want to just talk about a couple of movie trailers that I've seen this week that are worth noting. Um, a movie coming out this summer that I was not aware of uh, called The Spy Who Dumped Me. Have you seen this trailer? I just re- I just read about this today. Know nothing of it. Stars when you shine. We just want to talk about your boyfriend. But he dumped me. Drew was CIA. I'm sorry, What? Some bad people are after me. Yeah, they're after you. Mila Kunis and Kate McKinnon. Yeah. And the gag is that, yeah, one of them was dating a guy who turns out to have been a spy, and they get wrapped up in all this intrigue, and it actually looks funny. So um, it's it's not like this means war, is it? Because that was a piece of dreck. I, you know, I don't even remember this means war. Mm. Oh, that's, the, that's the one with Chris Pine and Tom Hardy... And they're spies, and then they're fighting over Reese Witherspoon. Oh, shit! I actually saw that movie. <laughs> yeah. Now he remembers. And I've forgotten it entirely. Yeah, um, no, welcome. it looks much better than This Meets War. Okay. It seems like every McGee film, I felt like the only man screaming to the crowd, McGee sucks! Stop seeing his movies! Stop <laughs> it! And this uh, one finally made people listen. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was bad. Um, okay. okay. The other trailer, though, have you seen the Cobra Kai trailer? Yes. I have not pulled the trigger on that one yet. Oh, yeah. Oh, dear God. Why? I'm going to teach you the style of karate that was taught to me. A method of fighting your pansy ass generation desperately needs. Does he sweep the leg? Yes. All I need is that trailer. I'm not going to watch the show. All I needed was uh, Danny and what's his face, you know, like like squaring off. Is it? It's not like the expanded film version of that YouTube short where they go to Johnny's trailer. It's actually Johnny and you know it's the real actor who did Johnny and Ralph Macchio. They're both in this thing. Billy Zabke, and they're they're carrying it on. So Johnny is like tired of how wimpy all of these snowflake kids are and decides to open up Cobra Kai again and teach them how to fight mean and Ralph Macchio is not having it and he's like a successful car salesman he's like no if you're going to fight mean I'm going to kick your ass and I swear this is the plot of this thing uh, so they went all the best of times on the plot line it's I mean Ralph Macchio at age 50 something putting on that same headband like for real this this is a thing <laughs> 
kick his ass, pony boy. I think it has possibilities in that they'll get the fight out of the way early, and then the two of them will decide, you know what, we have more in common than you think. And then they'll both run Cobra Kai, and one will teach him how to fight hardcore, and the other one will teach him how to fight with heart. Or maybe they could sit down and just have a discussion about which one is doing the worst version of cultural appropriation. Yeah, that too. <laughs> it, it looks it looks terrible. Yeah, um, but yeah. and and then it turns out that the real villain is Will Smith's kid for uh, trying to make karate look <laughs> oh, Chinese. God, yes. Yes, bring we need we need Hillary Swank and Jaden uh, Smith to show up. Yeah, in this yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. that would. Okay, it's, that that would be where the potential lies. Man, that'll be amazing. better than that'll be better than when movie Highlander and TV Highlander appeared in the same movie <laughs> with Mario Van Peebles. <laughs> <laughs> we know they decided too. there could be more than one after all. My apparently, God. wow, There's we so sub referenced our sub reference. Yeah, we did. <laughs> it's what we're good at. <laughs> so. <laughs> I love me some movie commentaries. It's one of the things that makes me sad about the death of physical media. Um, so I bought the Thor Ragnarok Blu-ray, and Ragnarok, Taika Waititi Ragnarok. does not deliver a good commentary. I'm sad to say, and but he's upfront about it. Like his whole, he basically comes in and says, "Okay, well, um, I I'm really bad at these commentaries, and I'm gonna run out of things to say in about ten minutes." Um, <laughs> <laughs> well maybe that's like, does. maybe that's just him doing a bit because oh the entire like the whole very... the entire thing is a bit okay right like he's he's ragging on hemsworth constantly and he's like and uh you know this is uh the motion capture for uh Surtur is the the great actor taika waititi yes <laughs> um, talk up know. talk up korg is perhaps the greatest yeah. actor on the planet uh how you doing <laughs> yeah so it's i mean it's fun but uh, it's goofy well that reminds me of, i saw when they released the thing on dvd thank you i was about to say this <laughs> and they're fucking getting drunk while they're doing the commentary and it is the nice. funniest funniest thing ever i remember loving that commentary track because as they're talking and kurt russell yeah he's he's whooping it up with his uh good pal um <laughs> Um, why can't oh a uh, carpenter John Carpenter yeah. and John Carpenter is just lighting cigarette after cigarette into yeah. the mic. Just, <laughs> it's, it's awesome. <laughs> it is so awesome. Uh, I like it. Okay, so I went to the theater uh, this week. When you say it like that, that means live people, right? Not like movies. Yes, like okay. actual like Broadway touring companies. And this was the revival of The King and I. Um, quick, uh, this name is, one song from the King and I getting to know you, that's getting one. to know all <laughs> about I love you. Gilbert and Sullivan. It's Rogers and Hammerstein. Oh, there's, there's a difference. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is like the prototype of the sound of music from a musical standpoint, I think. And it's even got like the teacher and kids thing going on, but with cultural um, appropriation. Oh yeah. man, is this this <laughs> this <laughs> does not hold up. This is this is like Sasha in Anything Goes levels of of racist. Um, well, all I know is all I can think of now is the the op the what is it the ad that Yul Brenner did for the tobacco after he died. Ladies and gentlemen, the late Yul Brenner. Now that I'm gone, I tell you, don't smoke. Whatever you do, just don't smoke. This is Yul Brenner, yeah, and I'm and I'm dead. 
<laughs> I, I God, this show just just should not have been revived. It really, it just, it's so cringy because they and Jolene tells me in the intermission, oh, they've totally toned down the racism. And I'm like, they have. <laughs> like, I have not. I've not actually I, seen The King and I uh, until I saw this play. And, I just like to say you're already uh, in trouble the moment the phrase "they've really toned down the racism" comes into play. Yeah, and yeah. if that's toned down, I don't yeah. want to see the movie. But the <laughs> the sexism, however, is not toned down in the slightest. It yeah. is it's really it's, misogynist. It's kind of like when you watch the remake of Birth of a Nation. It's this. It really toned down that racism. It's it's really more palatable now. <laughs> Love my Asians, but where's my bitches? Love my Asians, but where's my bitches? <laughs> oh, he went there. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just keep I rolling. didn't write the king and I. Don't look at me. <laughs> this, there's nothing. There's this is the worst Broadway show I've ever seen. Like ever. Full stop. And 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 even the technical stuff. I mean, okay. The so all of the people were very talented, and the dancers were talented, and the singers were great singers. In service of a shitty show, uh, there was. I had hope. For like the first thirty seconds, like the curtain rises and there's this incredible backdrop with this amazing set and it's really well lit and I'm like okay at least we're gonna maybe get some technical theater and then that disappears never to return and <laughs> all of the sets are crap from there on in it just the audio they got the audio right they at least didn't damage me yeah. but fuck it, it was don't do it that's don't the problem the with I. Gilbert and Sullivan musicals are just not Good. They were it's the Rogers biggest thing. Rogers and Hammerstein. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Rogers and Hammerstein. Sorry. Yeah. Rogers even, and Hammerstein. Even I know that. It was a mental slip. It was a mental <laughs> slip. Anyway. Yeah. Their musicals suck. Uh, what? South Pacific, Flower, Drum, Song. I mean, they're just. Yeah. It's like the music isn't great. Talk, talk about they're meant to have bigger sets. And yeah, I think they've been ruined by generations of high school performances. I just, yeah, yeah not worth it. I'll read the book. No, I, but I, it does kind of make me want to go look up the, apparently there was a television show in like 73 with Yul Brenner called Anna and the King. Like they made a TV show, a sitcom. Oh, wow. Out of, I, I oh, kind of want to go look that up. Good Lord. That's like making a show out of the ghost and Mrs. Muir. It's like, holy crap, you'll do a show of anything. I think... I think we should do like someday a podcast on just just that that one era of TV between 1970 and 1974 because there's so much bad. Nothing came out of that period that lasted. And I mean there's so many bad, amazingly bad like you've got to be kidding me bad shows. <laughs> like like the, they were they were trying to get over Vietnam and and uh, Nixon and they Ooh, were high. I bet that, yeah, I bet there was something about the national mood that was so sour, even TV writers couldn't do their jobs anymore. So, one last thing for Fresh Shit. Not that the audience will care, uh, but I made Chris and Eric start recording this episode a little bit late because I just got home from seeing Pacific Rim Uprising. Boo. Good for you. Oh, wait. Yay? Yay. Well, so the first Pacific Rim is one of my wife's uh, favorite movies because giant robots punching giant monsters see, in the face. you would think that would be good, but I was excited to go see Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow, and I felt <laughs> equally violated at that instance as well, so I disagree. Though, oddly, both of those sound like pornos. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> that's very true. 
Pacific Rim Uprising is better than the trailers. The trailers made it look really pedestrian and kind of like, oh, this is gonna be just like, you know, Power Rangers movie level of dull. Yeah. <laughs> um, try, 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 try and find like a, uh, a comparison that's as bad as Pacific Rim. It's a stretch. Yeah. No, no. I mean, <laughs> Pacific was, Rim is, is a, so stupid and so awesome. Was right? there a pink kaiju? Oh, you're asking me about color, dude. <laughs> oh, sorry. I forget. I forget. I'm sorry. That was not intended yeah, to be no. mean. Brian is colorblind, everybody. <laughs> okay. um, but no, uh, this is like a super, super Boyega e movie. John Boyega, Boyega's all over this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you can't Boyega uh, any more than this. Right here. This no, is- you really can't. He's and he's he's all charisma and he knows it. And his character is like you know full of himself even, and it's hilarious. And he gets to use his natural accent, which is nice. Kid, it knows how stupid it is. It knows it's a silly movie, and it doesn't go as far as Del Toro did because Del Toro took it pretty far with the first one. But this this is still a deeply silly movie. It delivers. <laughs> The it delivers the giant robot scale better than than uh, anything other than the original Pacific Rim. Mm. Uh, just the sense of that these things are real and that they're the size of buildings. Yeah, uh, still holds up. Um, I want a shirt that says "deeply silly." I think that should be. <laughs> I love that expression. Every now and again, Brian comes out with like this 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 formation of language that is so perfect i am i yeah. willfully ignorant is another one i had first heard from brian i was like that's it exactly <laughs> meanwhile you and i just wear shirts to say i was stupid <laughs> <laughs> the ones that point up at your own head basically like, yeah from anyway um would i recommend seeing pacific rim uprising i don't know if you're will if you want to see a big dumb giant robot movie you could do a lot worse um, there's your poster there's your poster blurb right there <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh, says Bob Finster of the Arizona Republic <laughs> Tokyo takes a beating which is always important That's, in a giant that also sounds like a porn title monster movie hey <laughs> <laughs> oh Pacific Rim job hey is Thank this you. part of the I know that they're now trying to say there's an expanded universe with like uh, Godzilla and King Kong, and is this part of that? No, it is. It is not. But the the guy who directed it gave an interview saying he wishes he could go there mm. because it is all legendary pictures. But mm. uh, as of right now, no. Uh, Pacific Rim is its own weird ass universe. They did come up with a few surprises in this thing. I I actually, I mean, you see lots of things coming. And there's a few things you don't see coming, so I was happy about that. The thing they didn't do that I was really expecting they were they were keeping their powder dry on, but they didn't. They don't do a Voltron, like so the 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 Jaegers don't form the head and become the big robot, which is too bad. Damn it! Monster misbehaving, planets needing saving, situations craving. I'll form the head. The enemy is clever. We're smaller, but whatever. When we put it together, I'll form the head. Y'all could do the treading, swing energy machete. If combinations ready, I'll form the head. 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 Remember that movie? I kept thinking of Jägermeister. Yes. <laughs>
Well, it's Jaegers and Monsters. Jaeger Monster. Jaeger Monster. Oh, that is true. That's why. Okay, it's explained. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, all right. That's all I got. What the hell is this one about, anyway? Bad 90s action movies. 90s action movies? Yes. That inform our current action movies. Oh. My thinking was they were sort of the prototypical uh, uh, action movies of today, but before they got it right. Okay. And my thinking was it was, yeah, in in a lot of ways, they were prototypes, right? Because they were playing with with new technology, and it it was the beginning of Grimdark. Mm-hmm. And a little taking itself a little too seriously. Okay. Yeah. I, and it's also sort of the last hurrah of practical effects, but also the early fumbling fuck ups of digital effects. Yeah. And there were quite um, a few, quite a few. Yeah. So I think we each picked a late '90s movie to uh, to discuss on this episode. Is that right? We did. We did. Okay. So I kind of want to hear Eric's, uh, Eric's yeah. movie. I picked Judge Dredd, bum, which bum, I bum. hadn't seen since it first appeared on cable. Um, and okay, here, a couple things. It's as bad as you remember, for starters. It but is. the more research it I is. did on the film, the more I'm willing to forgive it. Uh, Judge Dredd is a comic that was started in England it takes place in America after um, ecological nuclear war disaster. Some something so bad, everyone is grouped into huge cities, uh, mega cities, and Judge Dredd is the law enforcement guy who runs around as cop, judge, jury, and executioner of the law. He is the law. No, that's the yeah. thing. I am the law. And at this point, no one knew anything about Judge Dredd except for readers of the comic book and people who casually listened to Megadeth. So there wasn't like (laughs) a great geek culture in play. And so this movie happens with Sly Stallone, who I'll tell you what, is the perfect casting choice for Judge Dredd if you're going to do a real Judge Dredd movie, which they didn't do. They, they, well, for a couple of reasons. First, okay, well, just just real easy plot. Judge Dredd is the judge. Uh, his, it turns out that he was genetically created. There's a psychotic twin brother played by uh, Armand Asante. You started yes. a mess. I caused the revolution. You betrayed the law. <laughs> Who is also a brilliant choice. He's a great actor. Uh, he's the only one in this thing that knows exactly what he's doing, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, but then again, well, anyway, they, yeah. So so he he frames Judge Dredd. Uh, Judge Dredd is sent to prison, but the 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 prison ship is shot down. He makes his way back into Mega City. He Mega City One. He he clears his name, and the movie's over. And it's all very unnecessary. But also, Judge, it's not a Judge Dredd movie because he's not being Judge Dredd the whole time. He's being Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. Judge Dredd never takes that helmet off, no. and yet almost all of the movie he's it's got his like helmet in the off. comic book. It's, is he it's never really takes it off. a it's really a Rob Schneider movie though. Oh, just yeah. shut up. <laughs> okay, there's that That's too. Like, did now, you know? Did it, you know that Joe Pesci was the initial choice that they wanted? I was of actually. Course he was. Going to talk about. <laughs> I spoiled that for you. 
Yes, you did. Uh, so they they get Sly Stallone in, and he's the biggest deal in town. And s- the director and the writer were going to do a straight Judge Dredd movie. Like they were, <clears throat> it was it, the original cut was NC seventeen for violence. Well, and the, and I, I want to part- add, I just want to add that the the screenwriter was Stephen E. D'Souza, who uh, above anything else wrote the script for Die Hard. So that's where we're looking at. Yeah, this. not him. The original, the, the the first screenwriter. They, there was another guy who they were they were on board to make the shit like they were going to make the okay. real Judge Dredd, gotcha. and then it got sliced alone, and that meant it got a lot more money, and that means it got a, he had a lot less control over it. Uh, there was actually a scene they cut out where the big robot that grabs Jurgen uh, Prochnow, he Armand Desante gives the order rip off his arms and his legs and then his head. I want him to see the whole thing. They shot that. Instead of just saying it, they fucking shot it. I want to see this. <laughs> I cut. love that robot too. That is, I yeah. Mean, well, and, and it's, so, as a practical, so I do effect, have to say yeah. this. Yeah, the whole it is one of the the it the effects are great. Like especially mm. for the time, um, it holds up in my eyes, and it reminds me of the Fifth Element um, mm. in terms of production design. Uh, but yeah, that robot is, is the shit. But the, the problem with the movie really is that once Sly Stallone got in, he said it needs to be funnier. There needs to be more comedy. So basically yeah. he was doing everything he could to drag it away from the darkness. He'd already done Demolition Man, which had most of its positive reviews were over the comedy. Yeah. He wanted Joe Pesci for the, the tag along sidekick that wasn't necessary. Like Lethal he couldn't 3. get Joe Pesci because Joe Pesci, you know, isn't stupid. And he said, <laughs> well, then how about Rob Schneider? He was, he's funny and he was in Demolition Man. So they get Rob Schneider unnecessarily placed in there to do one-liners in comedy in a movie that shouldn't have any comedy. So my, my point with, with Judge Dredd is what's wrong with it. One, it's supposed to be hyper-violent and all the violence was taken out, so it was neutered. It's supposed to be about a crypto-fascist law enforcement guy in the future, and they give him a heart. And it's it, 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 the tone is all over the place. It's, it's gritty and violent, but then... It's funny and in really dumb ways, like, you know, the 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 crime is happening on the corner of uh, Abbott and Costello, you know, like or like, Burns like, and Allen. That's the other one. Things they don't hear because it's the future and just dumb. But I think that's one of the things they get right now is that when you have Iron Man, they are absolutely set on the tone and the approach and the execution. There is no mm. arguing midway. This is the way the movie's going to come out, which is funny because that first Iron Man happened without a script, but it was produced by a guy who knew this is how it has to appear. This is, you know, we're coming into it knowing it's a superhero movie. We're going to, we're going to treat the comic character um respectfully well for judge dread i think part of the problem was that they had been kicking that one around for a long time before they actually made it uh and then a little movie called robocop had come out in the late 80s which pretty much cribbed everything mm. from judge dread i mean we're talking yeah, the exactly. helmets and all that stuff and it had all of the the punchy satire about how shitty everything was and so they didn't really want to do that because then they felt like people would just go, you're just doing RoboCop. Come on. What I think is funny is that RoboCop came in. Yeah. And I was thinking the same thing. It was a better judge dread movie. Every subsequent sequel of RoboCop falls into the trap. This judge dread movie did, which is we can't be gritty. We can't be, we can't turn people off. Yeah. And as a result, they, they turned people off. 
It's like they, they didn't trust the material, ultimately. And I think that's the lesson from this Judge Shredd. And, and incidentally, uh, the, the Judge Shredd movie they make later, Dread, is one of the best comic book movies of all time. It is really Better good. than any Marvel movie you've ever seen. It's fucking I haven't seen great. it yet. I hear it's basically The Raid, but in Judge Dredd. Yeah. Yeah, pretty that's much. That's fair. And nobody scowls quite like Carl Urban. Oh it's God, amazing. he's so good. He's God. He's, he's a genius. Pitch perfect. Pitch perfect is dream. I thought. I thought his uh, Doctor McCoy was underrated genius, and then I saw this, and it I'm is. like, this guy's amazing. He's just amazing. <laughs> he can do anything. He really can. Well, he well, was Scourge in, in Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Like he's, he's Carl everywhere. Urban is. He's he is amazing. Well, yeah. But the th- but the thing with Judge Dredd because it was a new director, Danny Cannon, who pretty much just butted heads with everybody and i don't know what he worked on after this probably not much because the 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 Mm. thing was budgeted at 90 million that was their production budget uh it made in 1990 whatever dollars 1995 so 95 dollars that's like 147 million i don't think it's his fault just from everything i've read i i'm on his side he got fucked he got he got stuck in a actor producer sandwich but here's the thing is they but they they made this movie, uh, and it made just shy of thirty five million. So it lost. A th- yeah, it didn't make any money. It didn't help. Well, it made the- it all internationally. Internationally, at the end of the day, it made like one hundred and forty million. Yeah. So it made well, back budget at least. But because because the French will watch anything. Yeah. Well, the it didn't help that the people in the studio had no idea what the fuck they were doing either because it got released against Apollo thirteen that same weekend. And got crushed. It also got beat up. Think, it also got beat up by the I, Mighty Morphin I, Power Rangers movie. I I don't think that <laughs> even matters. Let's let's say let's say Judge Dredd was the number one movie of that year. It would still suck. You can't say that because yeah, it's, yeah, it it's awful. It's awful. And the if other it, tidbit that if I read: nothing else came out that year, and it was the only movie, and so it made all the money. Well, it's still a okay. shitty film. Well, if you want to sit around and play, what if? What if? Uh, Danny Cannon, the director, turned down the chance to direct Die Hard with a Vengeance to do this movie, and Die mm-hmm. Hard with a Vengeance actually came in at number ten for the year and made a shit ton of money, and that would have like propelled his career. Who cares? This is this was a bigger risk. I think again, I respect him more because this is a bigger risk trying to do something that's new that nobody had made a film of yet. And again, if they'd uh, let him do what he was talking about doing. Again, it may not have made back its money, but it would be a lot better than what they made. Yeah. Well, all the, I'm all the, I'm saying is, if you're going to do a movie like this, you got to get the tone right. E- even the effects don't matter. Yeah. You have to get you have to get the, the a consistent. Well, I'm gonna um, go out on a, on a, a limb here and just say that the first thing you should do if you want your movie to be fun and successful is not cast Rob Schneider. On this, we can agree. Yes. On this, we can agree. <laughs> <Yes>. So. <laughs> You should, you should, he should be relegated to the Sandler movies where he says, you can do it. And basically nothing. (laughs) Well, don't forget that he he put the nail in Van Damme's career for a while there too. Cause he was like the the shitty sidekick in all those crappy action movies. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, that was Rob Schneider's deal in the nineties. It wasn't until he, he propelled himself to international stardom with Deuce Bigelow that we really got the the Rob Schneider that we all know and love. Yeah. Uh. (laughs) 
So, uh, yeah. Uh, so I, I wonder if there are outtakes of Armando Sante actually chewing on the scenery. Like, <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably. Poor uh, Armando Sante. How many? Okay, wait. Mambo Kings is the only movie I can think of that's he's in that is also good. He's good in so many shit movies. Yeah, but there's hardly any that are themselves good and he's good in them, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it would be hard-pressed to, to come up with any off the top of my head, neither. Yeah. Okay, so that's that's the judge. So so dis, a disappointing failure, or an interesting and, failure. But my, my, my point being, it informs the future of comic book movies in that it, it doesn't respect the material, it doesn't get the tone right, and that's what we've learned from now. Well, yeah, because mm. you, you could look a few years later with Blade, and that sort of seems to me the sort of the the neogenesis of the modern comic book movie where they, mm, sure. they got a lot of it right. Uh, yeah. And then I know Brian's going to talk about one that where they just absolutely got none of it. right. Well, yeah. let's, let's go to that one. Cause okay. So yeah, I forgot what you were going to do. The main reason I wanted to do this God awful show was because I thought we needed to talk about spawn. Oh, spawn the movie. Yeah. This is a piece of shit. It's it's a real piece of work. This one. Um, have you guys have you guys seen Spawn? Yes. Parts. Let me so, just let me just ask you this, Brian, uh, right yeah. off the top, because you come from a background in the video game industry, so sure. you're familiar with graphics. Uh, so this movie <laughs> was made in 90, yeah. 97. And uh-huh. it had a reasonable budget-ish. Uh-huh. Why do all the graphics look like they were done for a really shitty early PlayStation cutaway game? They they look like the cutscenes to an early '90s like CD-ROM yeah. title. Yeah, like, like Diablo. They, like Diablo. No, no, Diablo looks better. The only thing I really remember about this movie is Martin Sheen, uh, like looking at something in like vague horror because somebody told him we're going to put something in digitally here, and what they put in was so not married to what he was looking at. <laughs> was it was it just me, or did it remind you of Lawnmower Man? No, Lawnmower Man at least had a, like the the excuse that it was a virtual reality world uh, so yes. it could have okay. bad graphics yeah that's no, the way i think this about. this looks like animatics like when you look at dvd special features this looks <laughs> yeah. like the the roughest quickest they're they're so unfinished so okay <laughs> spawn is michael jai white is a cop who dies and goes to hell and is recruited by the devil to lead his army of of who cares um (laughs) basically the devil is like this enormous demon creature they they were trying for a a balrog from lord of the rings and didn't quite it has no animation it stands up with its jaw wide open in like a (laughs) default pose and speaks and its mouth never moves it's got like this this you know like hundred polygon shitty not really a hair simulation fur thing going on. Yeah. yeah. And it just sits there, mouth open like a puppet, just ah not like a puppet, talking. like a McFarlane toy. <laughs> yeah, I hate No, that no, guy. McFarlane toys look better than the, this thing just looks well, like shit. It's like but this the, whole thing was born out of McFarlane toys, right? Yeah, well Todd Kinda. McFarlane Yeah, so Todd McFarlane had been writing the amazing Spider Man and he was the guy who created Venom. Um 
Venom, right. yeah, and Carnage and all of that, and then basically it was like, uh, I'm going to go do the same thing for myself mm-hmm. instead of for Marvel and created Spawn, which is which basically is, Venom. Which, yeah, and it's basically just grabbing bits and pieces from a whole bunch of other stuff and then just saying, hey, isn't this really cool because it's so gritty? <laughs> I mean, it's he's you know he's ripping off the Crow, he's ripping off the Punisher, he's ripping off Spider Man, he's ripping off uh, just uh, it's just it's, nothing about this screams original idea ever. Yeah, so Spawn has like these chains that come out of his costume and attack people, and he's trained by some Obi Wan Kenobi ripoff. Nicole guy. Williamson's last movie, you know him as <sighs> Merlin from Excalibur. And this was the last Lord. movie he ever made, and I feel so angry about that. But but what really really makes Spawn special is John Leguizamo's turn as the Violator, uh, the clown. Nope. Spawn is funny. He's our man. If he can't kill him, no one can. Yay! Funny. As to the peak to the age of the war. As to the peak to the age of the war. Goes funny. Goes funny. John Leguizamo shows up in. Like a Violet Beauregard giant blueberry clown outfit. Mm. For those of you who are millennials who don't know who who John Leguizamo is, this is why. Because in the 90s, he was an actor (laughs) considered to have potential, and he was like on a mission to make every career choice that was bad. His best turn is probably um, his, I don't even remember which character it was, but he was in the Baz Luhrmann, Romeo and Juliet. Mm. Um. He, he he rules in that, but uh, it wasn't in the pest. Not really, no. And it wasn't. <laughs> okay, that's, the Luigi that's another one. Super from Mario Williams. Brothers <laughs> that we enough. got from him either. Ah, oh, that's. But hey, you, you pair him with Bob Hoskins. That's cinematic gold, right yeah. there. The the clown in this movie <laughs> is like, again, it's 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 deliberately stupid. You know, he's he's lighting his own farts. He's he's making dirty jokes about the female characters they they rip off gags from the mask like at one point his head turns into a balloon that pops and yeah. it, it, it's all kinds of dumb and then he turns into a shitty animated video uh it's it's like a a bad cg balrog that he turns into at some point yeah um it's, it's pretty fucking awful all all things considered i went and saw this in the theater <sighs> Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, just basically because I'm like, well, you know, I like computer effects and this may be kind of cool. And I just, it, I was horrified by how awful. I mean, I just, it, it looked, it wasn't even up to the standards of like a straight to, to video movie. It was just No, appalling. it really looks like they ran out of money. Yeah. And they just had to edit together whatever they Which had. Which is ridiculous. Like, when, they, when they started this thing, they were projected at a $20 million budget, I think. And then as they got into it and they realized that they had all this effect stuff going on, they doubled it. So they had an extra $20 million just for the effects. And the guy that directed it had come from that background. Snorted he, it all up his nose, I think. I guess, because he, he worked on uh, Terminator 2 and he worked on Jurassic Park. I mean, he was an what? effects guy. And then he comes in and makes this. I mean, it's like, what? 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 Exactly. So you'd think they'd be able to budget for more effects, yeah. You think, or no, more, this, or more the effects in this look like reboot the the kids' TV show that was, you know, it's so bad, so unbearably yeah. bad. Yeah, it definitely it wasn't even good enough for liquid television. <laughs> 
So yeah, Spawn. There is no reason to ever see this movie, uh, so don't. Well, here's the thing, though. It made its money back uh, and turned a profit. Yet we didn't see. That, yeah. yeah, we didn't see a sequel. Yet I think probably Good. it made its money back just because there was so little else playing that week. Well, to me, it was, <laughs> yeah. To me, I think it's just it's just the character itself is just such a snoozer. Yeah. I mean, it's we just, were so it's hungry just, for superhero movies at one point, yeah. which is hard to believe no, because no, we get this, one every month now. But the character is such a This is a snoozer. movie made for stoners. They're hoping that people are too high to notice how much it sucks. Well, here's mm. the thing is that around the same time, the, the animated series came out on HBO, which mm. is basically right. it, like done in the style of, of anime and had a lot more of the grit to it that the comic book, I guess, had, theoretically. Uh, and I remember trying to watch that when it was on HBO, and I think I fell asleep during every episode because it's just so lugubriously paced, and I just didn't give a shit. Uh, well, one of the things about the character design is that he's he's defined by this ridiculous, gothic, enormous cape. Yeah. And they can't afford to render this cape for most of the movie. There's like a couple of shots where they try to do it, and it looks really fakey and shitty. <laughs> um, but the rest of the time, there's just no cape. It just kind of gets sucked up into his outfit, and it's just a dude in a muscle suit. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway. Yeah, everything about... Uh, the makeup effects are decent. Like, John well, Leguizamo's yeah, again, clown makeup is good. The The burn makeup on our lead character is good. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, is that that was still a point in time where practical effects were easier to do and cheaper. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of these movies you get really solid effects work done with the makeup and things. Like with Judge Dredd with the big robot, that was an actual robot that they built with hydraulics and things. It wasn't done. Like today that would be a total CGI creation. It would be like a motion capture thing. Yeah. Sharknado has better effects than Spawn. That's true. (laughs) That's very true. It actually does. Yeah. I I just want to, and I want to point out like how positive and forward thinking we are that the John Leguizamo picture we didn't mention as bad was uh, thanks to Wong Fu for all of the the egg foo young. Or whatever. The, yeah. Hashtag LGBTQ. Hashtag March for Our Lives. Okay, go ahead. The only other thing I want to say about Spawn is that um, the 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 main <laughs> villain plot is that Martin Sheen has like a killer virus that will kill all of humanity, and he puts a thing in his body so that if his heart stops, it will release the virus. Yeah, so you're not the, allowed to kill him. The plot and makes John no Leguizamo sense. has a line um, about. Like, kill Martin Sheen so we can start this apocalypse now. Yeah. <laughs> it's... Ugh. That happens. Anyway, fuck Spawn. Well, if, if, you're, ever, if you're ever looking for a, a fun time, uh, go on to YouTube and look up the stuff for Spawn, and you'll find a 30-minute featurette that they made to promote this film. And it, like, starts uh-huh. out with, Hi, I'm Michael Jai White, and welcome to the making of Spawn. And then they, they talk about it like it's some massive thing where everything is amazing and the effects are just fucking awesome. And they show all the techie guys with their computer monitors talking about all of the techie stuff. And I'm like, holy crap. I mean, it looked like it was made for Fox, and they just put it on on a Friday night at, like, 730 
in between something. 90s EPK material. Yeah. You know, I think that's another lesson that we learn from Spawn, which is you can't pretend your shit is good. It seems like a lot of these movies in the 90s were were like this this we spent so much money on this movie, you you have to watch it. Yeah. You know, you have no choice. This your job yeah, now is to watch our shit movie. Exactly. And now it's yeah, we we get it. You spent a lot of money on the movie. Is the movie oh. good? Oh. oh, oh. oh it's like that. All right. So speaking of terrible 90s movies the uh chris's selection is one of my all-time most hated <laughs> no. movies ever it's braveheart I, no. it's not braveheart it, it oh. should it, no. it could be braveheart but it's not because uh, the effects in braveheart were, were were awesome it looked like a bunch of people <laughs> <laughs> and they actually looked celtic almost yeah uh, no, I uh, I thought we could talk about Independence Day because I, I to this, this day, so hate this movie so much. I, w- I was so angry that you picked this because I was like, <laughs> that would have been my first choice too. <laughs> it is oh, so, so bad. Day. So think of the year. The year is 1996. Uh, Will Smith is coming off of the final year of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and he needs a project to kind of kick his wild, career into full gear wild wild west is only a twinkle in his eye at yeah, this point yeah he hasn't he hasn't yet ruined that part of my childhood so <laughs> what can he do uh so roland emmerich the director of uh, stargate previously and universal soldier one of eric's favorites and the greatest uh, film ever made 2012 which is later yes uh, <laughs> and and let's not forget the magnum opus with michael Perret called moon 44 that, uh, oh. people always forget when they bring up Roland Emmerich. <laughs> so ask for it by name and watch it. It's amazing. Helicopters on the moon. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so Independence Day. Did they just kind of like bounce? Yeah, it was, it was amazing. You'll just it's have like to every watch bad it. idea they had where someone said, are you kidding? Someone else said, it's a movie with Michael Paré, dude. <laughs> but it's got helicopters on the moon. So... Roland Emmerich is kicking around this thing going, well, how can we top that, Dean Devlin, my writing partner? And they say, hey, let's remake War of the Worlds, but let's make it so boring that everybody will come out and watch it and make it the number one movie of the year. Oh, it's one of those, it's one of those Irwin Allen disaster flicks. Yeah. Really. I mean, it's, in structure, it's, a, it's an all-star cast yeah, disaster it's, movie. It's basically Earthquake meets uh, War of the Worlds. That's the best way to describe and, it. And coming back to that 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 uh, thesis that these are all '90s movies that inform today's movies, I thought this was a great example of the rebirth of the disaster movie. Yes, because we mm. really hadn't had any for so many years, well, and then this happens. It's a big deal. It's done poorly, yeah. but it says basically you can make an ensemble disaster movie and have people see it. Well, and to be is, fair, this this is the the sort of the Roland Emmerich template. I think from here yeah. on out, all, all of his movies are in some form or fashion like this one. Yeah. Well, this is also maybe the last grand hurrah of practical effects. Like true, true. This, the first half hour of Independence Day, is amazing. Like these yeah. huge scale flying saucers hovering over cities, and then they just blow the shit out of several cities all at once. Well, you and make it it's you, glorious. You make it sound and amazing, but but I would they just spend like the, the, the subsequent hours sucking all of the fun you had straight <laughs> out of your ass. But you're but you're getting ahead of yourself because you're you're really talking it up like it's some sort of amazing thing. You literally have to sit through an hour of 
bullshit to get five minutes of wanton destruction. No, that's, that's pretty much what it, is. it is. No, no, no. That's how a disaster movie works. You yes. meet the characters, you decide what you think of them very quickly, and that yeah. makes you have a certain reaction when they die. Yeah. Well, it's just I, uh, I, I watched again recently, and it just struck me as how just problematic the whole enterprise is because every character is some sort of pat like just patented large brush cliche of an ethnicity or a type uh you've got judd hirsch is the jew you've got will smith is sort of just he's your black guy basically uh they do harvey firestein is the gay guy Mm -hmm. and it's like Mm -hmm. why did you have to kill harvey firestein you had to kill the gay guy I mean, it's just... They just wanted to kill Harvey Firestein. Like, hey, look, everybody, it's Harvey Firestein. Kill him. Uh, (laughs) So so a lot of the stereotypes are really problematic to watch now. It hasn't aged well. But the thing that struck me watching it recently is just... it. On some level, this movie is totally pure. I mean, it is so guileless that it's amazing that it has it has no agenda other than hey militarism is amazing and it will save us all (laughs) that's pretty much the deal (laughs) and i you know i don't know yeah go ahead when this came out in in 96 uh bob dole was running for president he was the republican nominee and he at one point was making some comment about how if he was president, he'd be like the guy in Independence Day. And I thought, this is the worst Which way guy? you can run for president. <laughs> the guy in Independence Day, who is the lead character from Spaceballs. Yeah. yeah. Who is and the from dumb ruthless guy people. from Ruthless People. Yeah. This could very well be the <laughs> dumbest man on the face of the earth. This could very well be the stupidest person on the face of the earth. Perhaps we should shoot him. And he actually has a speech that essentially says, this time we're not fighting against <laughs> oppression or militarism or, con- yeah, uh, we're fighting against g- green alien people. Yeah, today we yeah. celebrate our Independence Day. Well, if you know that when I, when I watch it now, the thing that kills me, I'm like, holy shit, that's basically the St. Christmas Day speech from fucking <laughs> Yes, yes, exactly. It's like you Only the payoff me. is aliens. Those things that don't exist. <laughs> but instead of him saying, you know, uh, we few, we happy few, we band of brothers. I mean, he's going on. It's like, uh, here we're all here, uh, yeah. perhaps uh, to fight some aliens. Let them hold their manhoods cheap <laughs> that they did not bring their motor home to Area 51 <laughs> and somehow know how to fly a military jet. Yes. Wasn't it nice of the aliens to give him that that framing device though to invade on the Fourth of July? Like that yeah. was that was awful sweet of them. Well, here's the yeah. thing that kills me. It's uh, can you imagine if they decided to attack on July Fourteenth? That whole movie would have had to been called <laughs> Bastille Day, and totally would have ruined everything. <laughs> yeah, because the marketing would have been screwed because they they took it from Independence Day to ID Four. And I saw that, and I thought, well, I never saw the first three ID movies. Yeah, exactly. So, what's going on here? I was confused, literally. I remember, uh, I just want to say, I saw this in the theater 
opening week with Brian. Yes. And in the part where the, the aliens uh, destroy New York and everyone's running and everything is crazy, uh, uh, Brian turns to me and says, yes, but what would New York look like if aliens attacked? And I, I <laughs> laugh my ass off. And like 10 minutes later, it's like after the attacks and they show Los Angeles and there's all these uh, burning palm trees and all these cars strewn everywhere and just major, just, just lifeless destruction, but sunny. And I turn to Brian yeah. and I say, yes, but what would Los Angeles look like if aliens attack <laughs> well i remember i got so I, got, I i i get mad at people for talking in in theaters but i admit that by the end of this movie eric and i were mst3king it <laughs> on opening weekend and getting laughs as well, I mean, you, should. As well you should fuck this movie like, what else are you gonna do I wish, you can't take oh this seriously God. i wish i'd have seen it with you guys because uh before the movie opening weekend i went and got stinko drunk with some friends and fell asleep i think somewhere before they get to area 51 and i remember waking up out of my seat uh and seeing brent spiner and right. i thought i'm like I'm, when did i drop into a star trek movie i mean what the fuck is going on i was literally confused because i was still drunk and then I think I fell back asleep. <laughs> I mean, that's Spiner trying to break yeah. out of this typecasting his data and <laughs> exactly. failing. So that's my uh, Independence Day experience for opening weekend was that I was so just my, too drunk. My impressions to of Independence Day is this is the movie where you're like, damn it, I wish Harry Connick Jr. was still alive because we need more Harry Connick Jr. Exactly. in yeah. this movie. You know, no, um, actually, it's funny. I was just, I was actually thinking we needed more Robert Loggia. He's the only character actor <laughs> in this whole thing I want more of. Yeah. There's that. But you got to admit that uh, Goldblum is really rocking some Goldblumy stuff. In he this is one. very Goldblumy. It's that, <laughs> so. It's, amazing i i was and this was the joke i was making in the theater at the time i wanted him to break out into song in area 51 when he comes up with the idea for the virus i suddenly could just see this musical number he's up on that those stairs i got it i got it this time i really got it you know (laughs) (laughs) well i I think you came up with that in the theater i did the things that got was was it the scene where he's totally drunk and like throwing shit around because he's just angry that would have yeah. been a perfect moment. Oh man, yeah. I, I if they had gone that silly and campy and like acknowledged how stupid it was, that would have made it much better. But no, they they played it straight. And then we have to talk about Randy Quaid. Yes, and and his like the drunk brother from Christmas Vacation saving the world. Yeah, uh, one uh, of the high points of the film, I would say. It's, I it's, actually liked God. that. It's, I like you know, that. It's it's nice to see Randy Quaid play crazy. And, and I want to say, actually, no, he wasn't the, the drunk brother. Well, yeah, he was for most of the movie, the drunk brother from uh, Christmas Vacation. But when he was in the air, he was the seagull from uh, Rescuers. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, that is a deep cut, sir. That is a deep, deep cut. <laughs> All he needed yeah. to do was some, have some thrush in his tongue. Yeah. Well, all I know is that uh, the the whole plan hinges on them flying into the spaceship and uploading this virus, which is apparently based on binary code. Uh, and mm-hmm. somehow the aliens didn't see any of that coming. And before they leave, they're smoking cigars in the spacecraft. And then they l- jump out before the thing gets nuked. 
and right, save the themselves. Right, because the pacifist decides to launch the nuke. <laughs> Basically. And then, they're, and then they lose contact with him. And then so suddenly it's like Apollo 13 where they're like mm-hmm. losing him in re-entry. And then they find it's, him. And then they go to the sh- desert. I've actually looked. It is shot for shot. Uh, uh, Sam Shepard in The Right Stuff. When he mm-hmm. breaks the sound barrier, it's <laughs> as, good. It's good. Yeah, it's the same thing. And but except this time, when you watch it, look and you can see truck tracks in the middle of the desert from the crew bringing out all the cameras to truck shoot this scene. Tracks. Yeah, yeah. There's there's huge tracks from the truck they brought on all the equipment with, and nobody thought to uh, sweep it. <laughs> this movie was a huge hit. People still love it. I. They're all wrong. The only thing that I can say that's good about this movie is that it gave us Tim Burton's Mars Attacks, which Mm. is the perfect antidote to Independence Day. It's everything about Independence Day done knowing how fucking dumb it is. (laughs) Yeah. Well, here's here's the deal with 1996. Uh, This is the, the top five movies of the year. And... None of them are any better. You got Independence Day, <laughs> Twister came in at number two, Mission Impossible, uh, the first one, Jerry Maguire, yeah. and Ransom are your top fives. Yeah. It's just it's just not a good Ransom? year. Ransom? Ransom. Yeah. Give me back my son! Or number five. Whatever. Two of the five movies had Tom Cruise. Boy, yeah. it was a different age. Well, and then The Rock was in there. Uh, Nutty Professor. The Michael Bay, Rock. Yeah, yeah oh. not The Wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the only one in here that's good that I like is The Birdcage, which is just a remake of Le Cage Faux. Which I prefer. Y- yeah. But what I year, still like, what I still like that one. What year Batman and Robin? That would have, no, that would have been a few years later. 90, yeah, that would have been like 97, yeah. I want to say. 97, yeah. So I think actually later. 94 might have been the year we got Batman Forever, or 95. Yeah. 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 Uh I don't Which know. we should—that was the writing on the wall. There was so much in Batman Forever. I'm—I hate to go off on this side thing. There was so much in there that was almost good, but because of who was making the film, it was horrible. I really liked yeah. Batman Forever at the time, but I can't. It, it doesn't hold yeah. up. Try watching it now. That's all. Yeah, I can no, say. It, it doesn't hold up. Well, Spawn was kind of a reaction to 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 that. Actually, it was that was I think one of the things they were trying to market. Spawn I was like, what if Batman was hard? Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Joel Schumacher would have gladly uh, uh, given the Batman suit a great big erection. Hard bat- yeah, yeah, thank you. Oh, <laughs> he gave him nipples. Why not? Yeah, why got not? your spawn right here. Hey, no, okay. hello. So yeah. So all in all, the uh, the years nineteen ninety five to nineteen ninety seven mm-hmm. were horrible at the movies. Mm-hmm. And that that movie I mentioned last week as one of the worst movies I've ever seen, Mad Dog Time, starring mm-hmm. Jeff Goldblum, same year as Independence Day. It's like he was on a roll. <laughs> Jesus, I uh, got nothing. So yeah, um, I don't know if we have much else to say. Did Suddenly we, we have no think, ending. Did we learn I think anything? We got it. Did we learn anything? Um. No, Say what you will ever? about the superhero glut and the blockbuster glut we have. We live in a magical time, people. We live in the the golden age of movies. Our our the young generation will grow mm-hmm. up remembering these days. The nineties were horrible, uh-huh. horrible. And what's more, in the thirties when we're no longer alive and they're making movies and they're talking about how things used to be, no, they're going to look back at the movies of today and go, "That was such shit." 
You know, it's like everything is on an <laughs> upward trajectory and just gets better. But you know yeah. what I learned today? I learned that if you want to get in touch with us, you can write us at uh, magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. No. We're at Facebook at magnificentlyhuge. And we're well. on Twitter at maghuge. How do you spell we're that? On M-A-G-H-U-G-E. T-W-I-T-T-E-R. At. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, I didn't know what you were asking me to spell. We're on Instagram <laughs> that we occasionally use. And we love your suggestions. We love your comments. And we love your show ideas most of all because we're not original. 